Well, we start our second week of 50 Days to Vitality, and for those of you that may be worshiping online each week and aren't here in person, um, this is uh, 50 days as we are going through and thinking about um, living into this um, transformed life as a church that we would be revitalized for the purpose and for God's will for us. And so I hope that uh, this past week that you have enjoyed looking at the daily, daily devotions and making some journal entries for those, and we will discuss some of that in Sunday school in just a little bit. And um, this coming week, we're going to look at the four disciplines of the Great Commission Church. And so, as we talk a little bit about that in Sunday school, uh, I'll flesh those four disciplines out just a little bit more. Um, but today, we're going to look at this concept of transformed living. And so, I want to ask you an important question. I mean, this is important. This is earth-shaking question for you. Have you ever done the hokey pokey? <laughs> Probably. Most of you have. You know the song. You've done it. It's not just for children. We as adults get into it too. You put your left arm in, you put your left arm out, you put your left arm in, and you shake it all about. You do the hokey pokey and you turn yourself around. That's what it's all about. And so, you do all these different pieces. But do you remember how it ends? You put your whole self in. That's what I want you to think about. Putting your whole self in. As I was studying for uh, this sermon today and looking over the text and some other verses, I realized that um, this is exactly what the Apostle Paul is talking about when he talks about a living sacrifice, being transformed into the likeness of God. You put your whole self in, because if you put anything less than that, it means you have kept something back. So these couple of verses this morning may remind us of putting our whole self in. Now, I will tell you that uh, the hokey pokey and the dance routine team uh, is really um, pretty simple, but when it comes to giving your whole self to God, and I mean your whole self, it's a little bit more difficult. If you have your Bibles and want to follow along, it's just two verses, but the first two verses of Romans 12. Listen to what the apostle writes. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies to God, or as a living sacrifice and holy to God, acceptable, which is your spiritual service in worship. And, and I want you to think about that phrase, which is your spiritual service of worship. 
mercies, presenting your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. And then verse 2 says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your presence. Father, we pray this in your holy name. Amen. Now, if I was to ask you this morning if you understand the concept of tithing or giving, you would probably ask or, or give me that uh, answer to that ask in Oh, yeah, I know what to do. I either write a check and I drop it in the offering plate as I come by at communion, or I put some cash or a check in an envelope, or I go to my bank account online and I say, uh, send this to Hope Church. You know what giving is all about. It represents our acknowledgement of God's blessings in our life, It represents our commitment to the ministry that God has set for his church. It is a part of worship. Uh, Whenever that comes up on the screen, that slide that says offering, underneath it says an act of worship. It is really, in some ways, anecdotal to materialism. Most of us understand what it means when it comes to offering to God in that form. But all of us, I think sometimes without exception, need to understand what it means to worship when it comes to putting our whole self into God, giving God all of us, giving God everything that I am, to live a transformed life that would glorify God. I don't think we can put ourselves in an envelope and climb into the offering plate, especially as an adult. But in essence, that's what God is asking of us. God is asking us, his expectations of us is that we would give all, 100% of who we are to him. Most, I would say, people, and you have to decide for yourself where you're at in that most people. Most people do not come into worship prepared to give their whole self. Many times, we all sometimes bring our sins that need to be confessed. We bring things that need to be cleansed from us. We bring questions that we may have that need answers. We bring problems and situations that need solutions. We bring burdens that need lifted. We, need, we bring anxieties that need to be dispelled, frustrations, depression, boredom, preoccupations. All of those things are things that we bring in that distract our worship, distract us from actually giving our all to Christ. In in fact, it might be easier if you just take out your checkbook and double your offering, because that's probably easier than what God is actually calling us 
to do when it comes of giving ourselves to him. So listen, church. We have not given our all to Christ. Worship is a total commitment. It is a total commitment of our total life to him. And if we are not giving our total self, all of us, then we are not truly, completely engaged in genuine worship. I know that's hard to hear. It's hard for me to say because I know that there are times when I have worshipped God and I have done just this. I've come in with all of the distractions and I have not given my whole self to him. Now you're already thinking in your mind that, okay, well, worship's not just now. Well, hold on, we're going to get to that. But genuine worship is not just in this context right now of what we're talking about when it comes into worship of the body is not just singing of songs, which is great. It's not just the, the liturgy or the scripture or, or writing a check. Yes, that is part of our worship. It helps to engage us in genuine worship. It can mean a great deal. It can help usher us into the presence of the living God. But when genuine worship takes place, we have come in with a confessing heart. We are acknowledging that we need to turn from sin. And then we offer our whole heart wholeheartedly to God, keeping nothing back. Oswald Chambers writes in my utmost for his highest, and, and I quote, Beware of anything that competes with your loyalty to Jesus Christ. The greatest competitor to true worship and devotion to Jesus is the service that we do to, for him. Listen to that. The service that we do for him. It is easier to serve than it is to pour out our life completely for him. We are not sent to do battle for God, but to be used by God in his battles. End quote. But I do want to read that last statement. It is so good. We are not sent to do battle for God, but to be used by God in his battle. In other words, God is in charge, not us. God is calling us. God is using us as he sees fit. So church, are we more devoted to the service than we are to Jesus Christ himself? Is our life transformed to a place where we have totally committed ourselves to Jesus Christ our Lord? When we encounter the very presence of God in our lives, wouldn't we want to give our entire self to him? 
if, if we are caught up and can see the splendor and the holiness of God, we can look at nature, we can look at creation, shouldn't we fall at the, the knees of our Creator and give Him our all? If we feel the power and the love through the Holy Spirit that God has given me in my heart, in my life, in my very being, wouldn't we put our whole self in? Wouldn't we? Paul writes these, these words, and if you have a study Bible, it probably says at the beginning of verse uh, or chapter 12, dedicated service or dedicated service to the Lord. And, and, and so Paul gives us just in these first two verses a number of things for us to look at when it talks about offering ourselves to God. Offering ourselves to God. We are to offer ourselves to God, Paul says, because of his mercy. Paul presents God's mercy as a strong argument for us. He says, I urge you, I employ you to, to give of yourself because of God's mercy to present your bodies, he says. When we recognize what God has done for us in Jesus Christ, the only response for us is to give all of ourselves because Jesus is a grace giver. He is a dead raiser. He brings us from the dead. He gives life to these mortal bodies, as Paul tells the church at Corinth. The one who saves us from sin is Jesus Christ. The one who keeps us from deadly consequences is life in Jesus Christ. The scriptures tell us, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He took our place. He himself satisfied the consequences and the punishment that I was due. So that, as Paul reminds us in the 8th chapter of Romans, that there is no condemnation in me who is in Christ Jesus, my Lord. The ultimate gift is Jesus. And his gift to us is mercy and grace. And he forgives us of our sin. Never, ever forget that, church. And that should be motivation enough for us to give our lives, our entire lives, to him. If reflecting on God's mercy and his grace does not move us, we're in trouble. We are in trouble. Where would we be without God's love and his forgiveness? Where would we gain hope without his presence in our life. When we think about family or friends or our job or our church, our relationships, do we deserve the grace and the mercy that on, on those particular merits alone? Probably not. Though many of us try to be good family members, we try to be in good relationship with with God and neighbor. We try our best, I hope we do, 
to be what God has called us to be with our friends and our, our workplace and our neighbors and, yes, here in the church. But do we deserve God's mercy and grace on those merits alone? And if we're honest with ourselves, if we're honest with ourselves, all of a sudden we realize that these wonderful mercies that Paul is talking about would call us to a deeper relationship. It would call us in some ways to a different relationship than what we are living because of Jesus and what he has done for us. Transformed, transformed living is a living into the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. Paul also states in verse 1 that we offer ourselves to God as this living sacrifice. We present our bodies, he says, as a living holy sacrifice that is pleasing to God. This expression, living sacrifice, is set against the, the Old Testament background of sacrifices. And, and you know and we know that these Old Testament sacrifices were animals that were, were sacrificed to the Lord, offered to the Lord for his glory and his forgiveness. Just as the people presented the animal sacrifices of the Old Testament, the New Testament worshiper is called to present their self, their bodies as living sacrifices. Our celebration for what God has done through Jesus Christ is our self, offering of our complete self to him. So when Paul uses the term body here, he is implying the whole person. In this act of consecration, we do not give our dead bodies. If we have become a believer in Jesus Christ, we are sacrificing, offering living sacrifice to him because of what he has done for us. He has raised us from the dead. A living sacrifice is more difficult to give than a dead sacrifice. A living sacrifice means something to us. A dead sacrifice has no value at all. And so for us, a living sacrifice costs us something. As we go through these four disciplines this week in our 50 Days to Vitality, you will have as one of those movements a Great Commission church lives into the cost of sacrifice to God. There were two sacrifices, living sacrifices, recorded in, in Scripture. Uh, the first one, that's the example for us, and, and both of them are acts of worship. The first one is when Abraham is called to sacrifice Isaac. And, and so uh, he was willingly, he put himself on the altar. He was willing to do what his father was asking him to do. And not just his father Abraham, but Isaac was willing to do what his father God, Jehovah God, was asking the Lord sent a ram to take Isaac's place. 
He didn't have to die. But he was willing to serve. When Isaac stepped off the altar that day, Isaac became a living sacrifice. And of course, the the second example is a New Testament example of Jesus, the perfect sacrifice, the perfect living sacrifice. And Jesus actually, as we know, did die in obedience to God's will. Jesus placed all of himself as a sacrifice for us. There's a story of an older pastor. He was a Scottish pastor. And um, the elder came to him and said, Look, the elder board has asked, is asking you to resign. And here's why. We have not had one conversion this entire year. Think about that a little bit. Let that resonate with you. They were asking their pastor to resign because there had been no conversions in the church. Well, the pastor said, Yes, it's been a lean year, but y'all have forgot the one. And the elder looked at the pastor and said, One? What are you talking about? Who in the world gave their life to Christ this year? And the pastor responded, We Bobby. You remember We Bobby, don't you? And the elder began to think, and he had forgotten that on this particular Sunday when they had a missionary come in, and and the missionary had extended a call, and as um, the, the offering plate was coming down as the the ushers were bringing the offering to support the the missionary we bobby stepped out into the aisle and the little boy with no shoes on asked the usher to put the plate down in the aisle and when he did he stepped into the plate with his bare feet and here's what we bobby said i'll give myself because i have nothing else to give We Bobby became the world-renowned, known Robert Moffat, who with David Livingstone gave his whole life's work to serving God and healing those in Africa. Robert Moffat, We Bobby, gave himself. A woman asked her pastor, what does it mean to become a living sacrifice? And her pastor picked up a blank sheet of paper and he said, here's what it means. You sign the bottom and you let God with his perfect will fill in everything else. That's what it means to be a living sacrifice. Folks, this is what God, what Paul had in mind through the writing of the Holy Spirit, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, these instructions to the church at Rome as we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. This is what many people over time that we know, those that maybe even helped us come to the faith, 
have shown us that they gave their all to Jesus. And my guess is many of us could name many, either those that are world-renowned, Billy Graham, or others, Warren Gentry, who led me to Christ. I will tell you that as you give your whole self as a living sacrifice, your life will be transformed in a way that God can use you for his will and his purpose. Paul tells us also that we are to offer ourselves to God all of the time. Living as a living sacrifice is not just a Sunday morning experience. It's not just coming into this place on Sunday morning for an hour or hour and a half or three hours or whatever time that you spend here. It is a continuous action. A sacrifice is about life, and life is more than a moment unless God takes us into his presence. This means that our worship occurs, yes, in a sanctuary, but it also occurs out into the world, into the lost world. This means that we move away from just one hour of our life on a Sunday morning, I'm going to worship, to saying everything that I do, every minute of every day, I'm going to look at as an activity of worship to my Lord. Each relationship, each task, each opportunity, each problem, each success, each failure. This is not here. So I said I wanted to meet with the five guys that were here on Wednesday night. Just scratch that. I'm going to do it right now. So there was a, a young man that was set up a tent behind our church sometime Monday or Tuesday, and Ron talked to him on Tuesday and was very gracious to him and uh, offered him food and water from the church and asked him to move along because, in essence, the, the liability to the church to have someone that is homeless here um, is a liability for our, our insurance. And so, you know, I've been told by our insurance agent that we can't have, we can't do that. And so Ron was nice about that. I came in on Wednesday. He's still here. And so um, I asked the men that were here on Wednesday night to walk out with me to talk to him which they did, and um, we offered him food and water, and Ramsey said, I, I can even offer him money, and, um, and so he said, um, I'll be gone. I, I told him he had to be gone by 8 o'clock on Thursday morning, that he could spend the night, don't pack up now, but you need to be gone, and here's why. So I'm driving home. I can tell you where I was at. I was driving down US-1, 
and was driving over Tryon Road, US 64. And the Lord says to me, Hey, dude, you didn't offer me to the guy. I didn't. And guys, I'm sorry for that. I apologized and asked the Lord to forgive me because the Lord gave me an opportunity at that point to offer Christ to this young man, and I didn't do it. And I tell y'all all the time, every, almost every Sunday, when you leave this place, look for that opportunity. And I didn't take it. I was not a witness to those five guys that were standing back here with me and saying that was a prime opportunity for me to witness not only to God, but to the five of them. When God gives you an opportunity, present Christ. Don't take it lightly. I cried on the way home because I missed the opportunity that I'll never get again with that young man to present Christ to him. And so, guys, I'm sorry that I was a failure in a witness for Christ in front of you for that. God calls us all the time to be a witness, to worship him. Whether it's at school or in the garage or at home or wherever that may be. In our business affairs, with our neighbors, with our enemies. With all that we have. It never ceases to amaze me that many of us develop, many Christians develop selective Christianity. It's as if we, we think that, okay, just this particular time I can give to God. It's almost like um, living in a greenhouse. This is where the plants grow. So here's where I go to worship at the church in these four walls. So it's almost like that greenhouse effect. Here's where I worship. But shouldn't we worship all day, every day, in all things, at all times? I have had those that have told me that I can worship God in a tree stand. I can worship God in the woods. I can worship God mowing my grass on Sunday morning. And you know what? They can. But here's the answer or response that should be to that statement. Do you? Yeah, you can, but do you? Is your excuse not to come to worship, your excuse not to be a part of the body of Christ, is that you can worship out there? Well, we can worship out there, and we should, and we're called to gather together and not forsake our worship together, our gathering together. Every day should be worship, but the, use that as an excuse. I can worship outside the church. The question is, do you? Do you? 
Are you offering Christ? Are you worshiping your Savior? Finally, Paul tells us that we're to offer ourselves through transformation. Verse 2, he says we are to uh, demonstrate our commitment by refusing to be conformed to this world and be transformed by the renewing of our minds. He says we are to do this so that we may discern what is good and pleasing and perfect in God's will. We are to give ourselves in a way that we become nonconformist to this world. Because I will tell you that Satan in this world will press in on you and say that you deserve this or you deserve that. But when a transformed life begins to live in what God has called us to, when we have metamorphosized to what God has called us to, and that is that we've changed inside, that our very person of who we are has been transformed into the likeness of Christ, we begin to see that every day and every minute and every hour and all that God has called us to is to be Christ-centered daily. To be Christ-centered and transformed in all things. The world will seek to pressure our minds from without. But when we give ourselves wholeheartedly to God, God's Spirit is released and His power transforms us from within so that the world sees totally a different person. And that's what happens. We become a different person in Jesus Christ. Christ begins to mold us into what he has called us to be. When we desire today, as we get up to go about the things of our day, our desire is to do right and rightly and righteous things for the Lord. Because he is molding us. We are to become to Christ as an image of the original. So our primary goal of worship is transformation so that Paul is telling us that we can glorify God. And the only way transformation can occur in our lives is if we give our lives totally, mind, heart, soul, body, to Jesus Christ and allow his indwelling spirit to lead and guide and mold us and shape us after his will. This is what an active, every day, every moment life looks like in Jesus Christ. We glorify him. And Jesus has always demanded that the one who follows him will give up all family, friends, siblings. The cost of discipleship is to place Christ totally first in our life. This unconditional surrender that God calls us to will literally change our life 
and our perspective on life. This week, you're going to look at four themes, four disciplines of a Great Commission church. One is preemptive prayer, praying, the pow- praying with power. Two is basic Bible, building on Bible basics. The cost of commitment, raising the bar. And then fourth, missional multiplication, reaching the loss. And the truth is this. If you are not living a transformed life, these disciplines will not resonate with you at all. They just will not resonate with you. Praying for God to bring about change in the world and through his church will not be a part of your prayer life unless you have been transformed into his likeness. There will not be a desire for you to learn his word, to bring about understanding of his scripture, raising the bar of your knowledge. It won't be something that you will want to do. A transformed, if it hasn't, transformation hasn't taken place in your life, you will look at all things status quo. Let me get through today. Having a heart for the lost, you will say, is somebody else's job. It's not mine if you're not living a transformed life. And church, a transformed life is what God has called us to every single day. If we put our whole self in, as the hokey pokey says, it can and will make a difference in our life. And so the question is this, are we living this transformed life in Jesus Christ that Paul calls us to in this, these verses? Are we committed to Christ in everything that we do? Is our life transformed in a way that others see Christ in me? I read once, commitment is the giving of all one knows of himself to all one knows of God. Anything less than total commitment is unacceptable to God. And here is the wonderful footnote. When you live the transformed life or transformed living, the joy of the living God, will it be expressed through you in a way that is beyond understanding and measure? Not only the joy in your life, but the joy that you will express to others about your Savior in whom you love and in whom you desire to serve. Transformed living is important. And we are the only ones besides the living Lord that can make and know if we are truly transformed. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for just what your word means to us and we thank you father that you call us to yourself it is you who calls you who transforms it is you father who uh, brings us into relationship with you and what you ask of us is to confess repent and surrender 
In other words, Father, we are to give our life to you. And so, Father, we thank you. We thank you that you have transformed us into your likeness. And, Father, we pray that others, others will see Christ living in the world through us. And, Father, we pray this in your holy name. Amen.